0: Well, today, we are going to be exploring the second part of what was and is a powerful conversation between Jesus and his followers. Last week, we looked at the first part of this conversation, where Jesus asked his disciples, who do the crowd say that I am? Who do the crowd say that I am? He then turns to his disciples and asks the question, Who do you say that I am? Before revealing or going on to reveal the mission, which was the purpose of his coming, which which was to, and I quote, suffer many things and be rejected by the elders of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Hallelujah. Can I encourage you, if you weren't able to be here last week, the, uh, the, the, the message is on YouTube. Jump back and have a watch of that because it will just help to tie this all together. Today we're going to be looking at the second part of this conversation, which consists of what is required to be a follower of Jesus, or what is an element requirement that Jesus asks asks of any person who is wanting to follow him. And that doesn't apply just to his disciples at the time, or those who were in in earshot of him at the time. That applies to everybody throughout time, ourselves included in this room, whether you have already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, or you're on the journey and wondering whether you should. So if your Bible's with you, who's got their Bibles with you, paper Bibles? Oh, we're getting more and more, more and more. Yes, there was a question asked last week, which I'm very thankful of, I won't name who it was, um, who asked about which translation would you like us? (laughs) I'm on the ESV, I'm using the ESV today. Um, But there's a conversation that uh, we will have. So if you have your Bibles with you, or if not, it will be on the screen. Uh, Please turn with me to Luke 9. And I'm just going to read the second part of this conversation today, starting at verse 23. So Jesus has just asked them all all these questions and he's just... Uh, explained to them or given them really their first indication of the purpose as to why he's come and he says this and he said to all so at this point he's not talking just to the disciples he's talking to all who are who are in earshot if anyone would come after me let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me But I tell you truly that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so, so much for your word and your truth. Lord, it is life to our bones, life to our souls, life to our whole beings. And this morning, Lord, I just pray that you open our ears and our hearts to receive what it is that you need to tell us today. Use me, Lord, as your servant and your vessel, but may your people only ever hear your voice. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, many Christians' definition of following Jesus is not what Jesus expects. It's not what he expects of us. For many Western Christians, not all, but for many Western Christians in particular, to follow Jesus simply consists of attending church on an occasional basis, to listen to some songs, to listen to an inspirational pep talk, To catch up maybe with family and friends, though there is nothing wrong with that. Just going to disclaimer. Maybe making an attempt to open the Bible in the week and maybe even attempt to say some prayers in the week. But quite often when they're in need of something. When they're in need of God doing something for them. And serve when it's convenient within their lifestyle in a ministry that they enjoy that they want to serve in, not necessarily where the need is. Their walk with Jesus often being more of a bolt-on to their lives rather than being the foundation from where everything we do springs from. I would suggest that this isn't too dissimilar to what we often see in people's lives throughout Jesus's ministry 2,000 years ago and let's be very honest great crowds follow Jesus great crowds follow Jesus everyone loved the miracles everyone loved to see the healing I mean come on they love the free food <laughs> they, of course they did Jesus was cool he was the talk of the tech can I can I can I say cool now I get told off for saying certain words that were all right in when I was younger but not today. But he was cool, he was the talk of the town. He was the latest fad. But he knew their hearts. He knew their hearts as he knows every one of our hearts. He knew they desired the benefits of what he did rather than understanding of who he was. They loved his gifts not necessarily the life he was calling them to. The call is the same today. Many Christians are happy to have the assurance of heaven and to be part of a local body, but as long, quite often, quite often, if it, as long as it doesn't interfere with their lifestyle, their life, their everyday jobs, family, social lives. It's true. I'm sure many of us have had friends or people that we've seen in different churches who this absolutely applies to. Obviously, no one here. Church, being a follower of Jesus, demands and expects total and complete surrender, total and complete surrender of everything you have and everything you are, soul, body, and mind, and nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. So what is the cost that Jesus demands of every person who chooses to follow him? Well, as we've said, after foretelling his part of the cross, and his resurrection, Jesus clearly and bluntly, like he quite often does, he gets straight to the point, doesn't he? Straight to the point in verse 23. If anyone, anyone would come after me, let him, let them deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a simple sentence to say, isn't it? Rolls off the tongue as we just read it in our devotional times. But the truth is, the commands, the expectations in these simple words are far from simple. Jesus commands anyone who follows that we must deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, And follow him. So, what does it mean to deny ourselves? Well, the Dictionary of Bible Themes defines self denial as this the willingness, that is a really important word, the willingness to deny oneself possessions or status in order to grow in holiness and commitment to God. The words Jesus used, deny yourself, they are strong terms. They are strong terms, similar, we could say, to what Paul um, says in Philippians 3 7 to 8, which will be on your on the screen. He says this but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. How confident are every one of us in this room today to declare this truth over our own lives. Declare this truth over our own status in life and our own or the possessions that we have in our lives. They're not just words on a page. There is meaning behind this stuff. To deny ourselves is to count as worthless all our earthly gains. All our earthly gains. It is to actively turn from ourself being the centre of existence and placing Christ at the centre of our existence. That in itself, forget everything else, is tough for most people moving ourselves from the centre of our own world and placing Christ in that spot. It is coming to an active decision that our lives are dead and choosing to become one in purpose and direction with God, our creator. This decision to think nothing of all we have been All we will be besides who we are in Christ is a decision, and action that every follower will have to make. Every follower will have to make. We must be willing to give it all up for the sake of all he requires us to be. Now before we move on, we need to pause in order to grasp Another important truth from this passage, and not just this passage, there are many passages that we could pull out here. To deny ourselves is a willing act that we instigate. We are the instigators of that decision. Look back at our first passage at verse 23. If anyone would come after me, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Let them deny themselves. We saw it again in the passage we looked in Philippians. Paul says, I counted everything as loss, as worthless. Jesus never says, it's okay. You need to deny yourself. In order to follow me, I get that, but don't worry. I'm going to supernaturally do it all for you. You just sit back, relax, have a cup of tea, all will be well. He never says that. He places that challenge on us. Church, the truth is that living a life denying ourselves is hard. Would we all agree? I know I would agree. We would agree, agree, of course we would. From the moment of our surrender, we begin this constant daily battle against the desires of ourselves. The desires of our flesh. Every moment of every day, every situation we face, it's like we're flicking the coin. With what I'm facing right in this moment, if I had a coin, I would flick it, but I don't carry coins, so... Um, But it's in in every moment, every moment, in this moment, do I, heads, give in to the flesh, tails, stand firm in Christ. Every moment of the day, whatever you're doing, work, family, friends, social, doesn't matter. It's the flick of the coin all the time, heads or tails, heads or tails. Jesus knew this wasn't easy. Remember, he himself, though he was fully divine, was also fully man. He experienced this same struggle that we do. That's why he can relate to us. That's why he can show compassion and understanding because he went through it. But praise God, he didn't get into it. Where would we be? It's because he knew how hard it would be that he set in motion means to provide you and me help. Because if he didn't, we would fail every single time. Every time. It is first by grace, the unmerited favor of God, and then in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, a gift to all who have surrendered their life to Jesus through faith alone in him, that helps the follower of Jesus be able to deny fleshly desires and overcome. We read this in Titus. Titus 2. Again, this will be on the the screen. For the grace of God, it says, has approved, bringing salvation for all people. And this is the point here. I think see in red, it is in red up there. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly possessions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in what age? The age to come? What age? This present age. In this present age. Waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This task, this challenge that Jesus says to every person who wants to follow is not impossible. It's not impossible. He wouldn't have given us an impossible task. Now we can't do it by ourselves, but praise God. That's why He does, He walks this line with us. That's why. We have the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit to help us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to give us wisdom and direction when we need it. But we have to be willing to surrender and allow that to happen in every moment we face. So what is an example of uh, denying the desires of our flesh? How about one? Which is incredibly tricky for most people to seek the good in others, even if they've hurt you or done wrong to you. Oh, Craig, you went there. But the reason I went there is because it is tough. Does our flesh not want to hate them? Does our flesh not just want to hold a grudge? To talk about them every moment we get an opportunity to spite about them behind their backs? They did wrong to me 50 years ago, and I'm still going to hold on to that. But the only person that we're hurting is ourselves. It's not hurting them. 50 years, I mean, come on, 50 years ago, that, you know, now don't get me wrong, please don't misunderstand. I'm not making light of people who have been hurt, I'm not making light of it. But this is one of the areas that we have to, denying ourselves requires us to challenge this area. I mean, Jack, Naomi, and uh, Kelly, and, and Sky will know, and, and the elders will know, because I, I messaged them last night. I mean, grace was nearly being thrown out of the window last night, because our neighbours, after a week of just constant in their garden, loudness, swearing, and it just grates me, particularly in my office overlooks their garden. Last night they had a party. And when I say they had a party, they had a party. I mean, this music was pretty loud. Lights going in the garden and smoke machines and all this type of thing. And I, grace was a, was a challenge. I mean, bless her, my wife. You know, she she was really good a few times at talking me down, just calming me down a little bit. But I, I emailed, uh, I messaged the, the elders and I said, can you please just pray because this is actually getting quite, you know. And praise God, after a half hour or so, it, they calmed the music down, which was an answer to prayer. But it's even in these areas that we feel I deserve to hold a grudge against that person because of what they've done to me. Jesus says, no, deny yourself. Let it all go. Let it all go. Because you're only hindering what I need, well, not need, but I would like to do in and through you as my hands and my feet. There's no probably no better scriptural passage that speaks into this very thing and gives us a stand by which we can follow this example than again back in Philippians 4.28, which will be on the screen. Let each of you look not only to see his own interests. Notice what, what, what Jesus and subsequently Paul is saying here is it's not that you just don't you, you give up on everything that you do. And all the interests that you're involved with we need to live don't we so that's not what we're saying here yeah we've got to make sure we don't go too extremes but also to the interests of others and this is the standard that he he grounds this statement in and he says had this in mind among yourselves." Church, I speak to myself first and foremost here, and then to everyone who's listening. How dare we say I deserve to hang on to these things, when Christ Himself, who who absolutely deserves to to have stood in 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 when he was being condemned and being falsely accused, but he stayed silent. He, Jesus, God's. He can help us with our hurts and our pains he just says just be faithful deny yourself and follow me so what does it mean to pick up our cross and follow what does it mean now before we answer that let's briefly look at what it doesn't necessarily mean how many have heard or have used the saying in the past that's my cross to bear That's my cross to bear. It's quite something that's quite common, isn't it, for us to hear, especially within Christendom. It's my cross to bear. It's a common saying. Not just in Christendom. A lot of other people, even non-Christians, use it. But it's been birthed out of the interpretation of this passage to mean only the burdens that we carry throughout life. Quite often, it's a throwaway remark when someone says to us, "How's the marriage?" Well, it's my cross to bear. Yeah, it's not obviously not with us, dear. <laughs> no, but you know, I, 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 I make, I make, a, I make a, a bit of a joke about that. But actually, it is. It's, it's quite often what we we use when we're going through hard times. It's my cross to bear. You know, if we're if we're ill, it's my cross to bear if we're in a dead-end job that's just getting us down, well, it's just my cross to bear. Now, there, where there are elements of truth in this, the people 2,000 years ago, they would have understood these words very differently to us. They would have understood these words very differently. Crucifixion was one of the worst punishments that mankind has ever concocted. It was brutal. It was painful. And it was feared. It's hard for us to imagine as it's not part of our punishment system. Praise God it's not. But to the people back then, they would have been shocked to have heard Jesus say this. They would have been shocked as they knew the meaning of taking up your cross and the consequences of doing so, which were death. A pastor at got questions. Explains it this way: When Jesus carried his cross up Golgotha to, to be crucified, no one was thinking of the cross as a symbolic, uh, as symbolic of a burden to carry. To a person in the first century, the cross meant one thing. And one thing only, death by the most painful and humiliating means human beings could develop. 2,000 years later, so today, Christians view the cross as a cherished symbol of atonement, forgiveness, grace and love. But back in Jesus' day, the cross represented nothing but torturous death because the Romans forced convicted criminals to carry their own crosses to the place of crucifixion. Bearing a cross meant carrying their own execution device while facing ridicule along the way to their death. So what does taking up our cross on follow look like today to us? How do we even try to, can, you know, to, to apply that? to today. Well, the truth is, it is a complete and utter total surrender of everything you are, who you are, to Jesus. Being willing to receive ridicule by those around you and being willing to die to worldly wants worldly desires, worldly goals, and worldly wishes, and be willing to die physically for Jesus if needed. It means to be willing to be rejected by some of your closest friends for the sake of Jesus (coughs) and the gospel. It means to be willing to be alienated from your family For the sake of Jesus and his gospel, it means being willing to lose your reputation, your status, your street cred for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the gospel. And one that's pretty tricky, even willing to lose your job for the sake of the gospel and Jesus. and being willing to lose your physical life as so many Christians have done in history and still do today for the sake of the gospel. But for many, this cost is too high. It's too high. And many have and still do walk away from following Jesus because of it. I'm sure if I went round the room, I'm sure every one of us could sit and, and and say, I know someone who used to come to church and they've walked totally away from it all. Now we haven't got time today, that's a whole different sermon, because I would challenge whether actually they were true believers in the first place, but we know people who, on a simple level, have come, sung the songs, and have walked away. And the reality is, in a few weeks, at the end of Luke 9 we will also we will see three people who 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 find this a struggle i don't want to go into that too much because that's for a few weeks time but we will we will actually see this at play in luke's gospel in a few weeks time and while i'm saying that it is worth to mention as well let's not get to you know let's not get to the end of today and and go well that was a challenge i'm glad we've got that sermon behind us because we will come across this again and again throughout the gospel. We will. I know of at least another two occasions where we will ch- challenge, ch- or tackle this same challenge. Because if Jesus brings it up, then we're going to need to wrestle with it. How many people do you think would follow Jesus, Jesus if he either came into a church and did an altar call today or walked into the middle of, of Whitney and simply says come and follow me the rewards will be beyond comprehension which is a wonderful thing that, we want that don't we but in this life you may face the loss of friends, the family uh, the loss of family, the, re- the loss of reputation career and possibly even your life how many people would sit there and say that cost is too high And not follow. And also, and this this was an interesting one that I pondered, how many people in church or how many churches would lose converts because the cost was too high? We know in scripture, and we again we will see this it was too high for some, and some followers left. Jesus didn't mince his words. He laid it out clear as to what was expected. Church, the call is tough. (coughs) But I want to balance this out just slightly. It's important for us to remember, for every believer in this place to remember today, to stand firm on the truth and the promises for those who truly believe and follow And the rewards for their obedience in doing so is matchless. There are incredible rewards waiting followers of Jesus. That will come one day. We may even receive that throughout uh, throughout our life, elements of that. But let's be under no illusion, it's tough to be a follower of Jesus in this life. And it would be unwise for us not to walk in that truth and keep that in our minds. But the reality is, and the truth is, for those who have chosen not to accept this incredible free gift of Jesus, there is consequences. And Jesus makes that clear in verse 24. He says this, for whoever would save his life, i.e. whoever would not accept and receive, they're going to lose their life. if you choose not to follow me in pursuit of your own desires in this world, if you choose to reject my words, if you choose to reject my teaching and refuse to confess me publicly, not only will I personally reject you when I come in glory, but you will ultimately not receive your eternal glorified life, destined to live as one damned, destined for eternal life in hell. That's as blunt as we can make it. Jesus' church is the best gift humanity has ever and will ever receive. Do we believe that? Absolutely we do. Every one of us in this room deserves, we deserve the judgment and wrath of God because of our sin and the rebellion toward him. Let's be under no illusion. <clears throat> but because of God's great love for us, he set in motion a rescue mission, a mission to provide humanity a way to avoid his coming righteous judgments and receive hope and peace now, whatever challenge we face, and the glorious eternal life with him at the end of days. This mission, and we know, many of us know this in this room, but it's so important that we keep reminding ourselves of this truth. This mission saw God Almighty, the Lord and Creator of all the universe, humble himself, come to this earth in the person of Jesus, live as we lived without sin, important to remember, experience all the challenges we face before willingly letting himself be mocked, beaten, hung on a cross to die an agonising death. And why would he do that? Why would he do that? Because payment was required to free mankind from the consequence of our sin and our rebellion toward him. But he knew, he knew we couldn't pay it. He knew we couldn't pay it. So he came to do it for us. Taking our place. The sacrificial lamb who took upon himself the whole of mankind's sin. who bore the full wrath of judgment before declaring three most incredible words. It is finished provided a way for true freedom for anybody and all people who would recognize their need for a savior, who would surrender and call upon the name of Jesus as their Lord and savior and turn from a worldly way of living to commit and dedicate their lives to Jesus and to his words and his truth And with the help of the Holy Spirit, deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him wherever that may lead. Can I uh, invite the band back up, please? That's a tough one, isn't it? Sometimes there are some really uplifting, amazing messages that we get to Share, but that's that that is that is the challenge. Well, actually, that's the good thing about systematically working through books of the Bible, it forces you to challenge the stuff we don't want to read, it forces us to challenge this stuff and to look at it. La- um, last week, for those who remember, we ended the service by recognizing and seeing that in 2000 years not a great deal it seems has changed in how the world views Jesus and how the world views his gospel and I suggested the key to how effective we are in sharing Jesus and his gospel to the person standing right in front of us because that's, that's, our, that's our focus if you remember last week We can sometimes think, how am I supposed to say Whitney? Well, you start simply by the person standing in front of you in that moment. So the key, let me just re-say that, and the suggested the key in how effective we were in sharing Jesus and his gospel comes down to how we view and practice being a follower of Jesus being a disciple of Jesus well here is my suggestion to you i've tried to condense this down into just a bit of a bit of a statement and it's this our effectiveness in being an ambassador for Jesus and sharing his gospel is based upon how willing we are To surrender all that we are to the guidance and instruction of the Lord and be willing to accept the consequences of this life in Christ, whatever the cost. We say that again. Our effectiveness in being an ambassador for Jesus and sharing his gospel is based upon how willing we are to surrender all that we are to the guidance and instruction of the Lord and be willing to accept the consequences of this life in Christ whatever the cost If I was to ask how many people shared the gospel with a stranger this last week in this room how many hands do you I won't ask how many hands do you think would go up Who knows I wonder how many opportunities God has placed in our path this last week for us to share Jesus and his gospel. Opportunities that we have missed maybe because we have allowed our fear, our fear of rejection maybe to stop us doing so. Our fear of what they might think of me, that fear of what might they say? I might get heckled. I might be called one of those, you know, weird Jesus people. So I'm just, I'm not going to do that. How many times have we had a prompt in the Holy Spirit in our belly? Saying, just saying, just say this. Just go and help that person. But we, we, we sort of often fight against it because of that fear. Or is it because we are still so worldly, in our thinking, so worldly in our approach to life that we don't even see the opportunities and we miss the Spirit telling us and prompting us. Church, it doesn't matter if you are introverted, whether you're extroverted. It doesn't matter if you have been a Christian two minutes or whether you've been a Christian two decades. When we deny ourselves when we pick up our cross and we follow Jesus and fully surrender everything we are daily, it's not once, this is a daily task. And I guarantee you, he will use us with all our creative quirks and personalities to be his hands and his feet. Why? Because there's nothing else for us to fear. We've let it all go. The world doesn't hold us anymore. People can laugh in our face, spit in our face. They can mock us, beat us, whatever Whatever it looks like. It doesn't matter because we are doing this for Christ and Christ only. So having been able to share that with people, it doesn't become so hard. But it requires us to go on this journey of denying ourselves with his help. How awesome would it be if we could stand, as Paul says, and declare, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer Craig that lives. It is only ever Christ that lives in me. Hmm. When we can truthfully declare that, then there is no end to the possibilities of how God will use us in his mission on earth. Our fear is replaced with his strength. Amen. Because our approach to to our day will be Christ-centred, not carnal-centred, not Craig-centred. Christ-centred. And our fear of sharing the gospel with our friends, our neighbours, our family members, our work colleagues, all the cashier in the supermarket, whoever it may be, be, will not be fear It will be replaced with compassion and urgency to share with them the only person who can save them from the consequences of their carnal self-centred life and the consequences of that, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. So our challenge this week is to prayerfully, prayerfully sit down and with the Lord's help the Lord's guidance, founded upon prayer, give ourselves a spiritual MOT. Have I truly surrendered all that I am to Christ? Have I truly and am I truly willing to pick up my cross and follow? And am I truly willing to accept what is commanded of me by jesus commanded by jesus to us but church that is a question only you can answer Only you can answer that just like i can i am the only one that can answer for me let's pray heavenly father Oh Lord, there, we could we could have spent two hours talking about this particular subject and all the different aspects and challenges and the what ifs and the the reason that we struggle so much with with this particular command or these commands. And Lord, as we know, this isn't the first time that you speak about this with those. Who are following you and lord we know that we will have to face this tricky subject again as we work through luke but lord the most wonderful news is that not only not only do we have to we don't have to do this alone because lord you promised us and you sent us god the holy spirit third person of the trinity to dwell with your followers with your believers to help them to guide them to be their rock and their foundation every day that we wake and say lord help me today to deny myself to take up my cross and follow now lord you have blessed us all with with individual lives and life can be tough it's not always a blessing there's nothing wrong with us Lord, having possessions. There's nothing wrong with us. Having money in the bank, having a good job. Lord, that is not what we're saying and that's not what you say. But you command us to place you first in all things and be willing and ready to give that all up if you call us. So I pray, Lord, this week for every person here at Welcome and those listening online, that you help us, Lord, as we come before you on our knees and say, Lord, show me the areas of my life that I haven't fully surrendered to you. Give me the strength and the courage to step out in faith and trust, Lord, that with your help I can deny those things and I can walk as your hands and your feet on this earth. Lord, bless your people this week. Watch over them guide them and strengthen them in Jesus' name.